Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 229 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and I'm coming to you from Austin, Texas, as usual. Excited to talk with you today. Today's topic follows on the heels of the episode that I covered a couple of episodes ago, episode 227, where I was talking about it's time to prime. And now I'm going to take that a little bit further and talk about periodization as it relates to your training cycles and how you might think about periodizing your training leading into fall racing. Since again, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we are just around the corner from having the opportunity to be able to really train for a live in-person race. So how does that go from that priming that I mentioned a couple of episodes ago through to how you would structure your training leading up to race day? I've actually got five periods for you to think about in your training, including what comes immediately after your race. So that's my topic for today. Just got a couple of quick things before we jump in. This will be a short intro. First of all, got to give a shout out to Desiree Linden, who as we speak, as this episode is being posted, is out there somewhere in Oregon trying to break the 50K world record. And so that's exciting. We'll all we'll all be cheering Des on. And by the time you're listening to this, you'll probably be able to go check her results, but go definitely check and look up and see if Des Lennon was able to get that 50K world record done. She needs to average right about six minutes per mile in order to break that record held by the Brit, Allie Dixon. So, go Des. It looks like her training has gone well. If I were a betting man, I would put a lot of money on Des getting that done. Secondly, just a quick shout out to Care Of, the partner that I've been working with now for many months. They're going to be my sponsor for today's episode, and I'll, I have an offer for you in the middle of the episode once we get into it. So thanks to Care Of for our continued partnership and for supporting the podcast. Okay, let's jump in. And today we are talking about periodization. Periodization. How do you sequence your training so that when you get to your peak race, you will be ready to perform at your best? In order to do that, we have to sequence our training so that we're working the right systems at the right time in order to be most ready for our big day. Before we jump into how I would structure the periods in a program leading up to fall races, and this will be with the context of this would be the periodization you would do for a half marathon or a marathon program. But I want to back up before I get into those details and talk about the five periods I'm going to lay out to lay out for you. I want to talk about the why behind periodization. What is the why? First, a bit of history in order to understand periodization and really the origins of it within the context of distance running. We have to learn about the famed coach, Arthur Lydiard, who is a New Zealander who had major success with New Zealand in track and field and especially with distance in the early 60s at the Olympic level. Peter Snell was one of his athletes who won double gold at the 1964 Olympics. Arthur Lydiard was also a good runner himself 
And he did a lot of things before he became a full-on coach of experimenting with himself, doing crazy things like running 200 miles a week all at easy paces and then going to run after that a race effort to see what would happen to his results if he did these crazy things to his body. And so he was doing stuff like that and through experimentation as well as through some time he spent studying in Finland with the great Finnish athletes, he came upon a system of training that involved this idea of periodization. That first of all, you had to establish a big aerobic foundation for your work. And then ultimately after that, you had to periodize your training sequence, the stimuli that you get in training so that you are able to peak at the right time. And so he was able to do that with athletes from the 1500 meter all the way up to the marathon and had success and everybody at that time hadn't been used to New Zealand being on the podium for track and field and so it caused everybody's ears to perk up and wonder what the hell was this guy Arthur Lydiard doing in New Zealand and sure enough his methods then became really the foundational elements to modern elite distance training. We've obviously learned and built on it and adapted from it. Some of the terminology has evolved. Some of the concepts have evolved as others have added their own fingerprints to his philosophy. But the core elements, the core beliefs are still there. And one of those fundamental elements for him was this idea of sequencing your training, of periodizing your training. This also goes together with an idea like you might get from Elliot Kipchoge, where he says you can't chase two rabbits at once. And essentially, that's the concept, that idea, that quote, that proverb, that's the concept applied in training, where you can only do a thing at a time in training. You can't work multiple things and and work multiple things well in training. So you have to sequence your work in the right order So that you're able to build one element at a time and then ultimately get to your peak. Oftentimes you may have seen this or heard about this idea as a pyramid concept where you're building that foundation first and then each layer on top of that is a different period which gets you closer to your peak at the top of training which allows you to execute your best on race day. Also paired with this idea of periodization is this idea that of peaking, of peaking that you can really only peak two or three times a year and that's what the body is prepared for. And if you're going to get the best out of your training, you have to pick no more than two or three peaks in a year or two or three really big target races that you're going to focus on and put your eggs in a single basket for that time so that you can get not only the most out of those races, but over time, get the most potential out of yourself. And so paired with this idea of periodization is this idea of peaking. You have to sequence your work up to a peak race so that When you get to that peak, it's the highest point you can get to in a given period of time. And then over time, if you do that consistently, working through the peaks and then allowing your body to dip down and detrain, and then you can build to a higher peak afterwards. But you can't peak more than two or three times a year. 
Now, that's not to say that you can't have good races more than that. But if you're talking about really getting to your potential, you've got to pick two or three big windows. We'll talk about build races that might get you to a peak. That could be a secondary focus as we get into this discussion. But you have to recognize that if you're going to get the best out of yourself over the long term, then you need to choose two or three peaks a year. And as I've argued at other times in other episodes, those peaks should likely be different focus focuses so that for one peak, you might be peaking for the marathon. For another peak, you might be peaking for the half marathon. For a third peak, you might be peaking for a 5K or 10K distance so that you're not only working the long stuff, which might be your focus in your wheelhouse, but you're also working the full end of the the speed range so that you can be a well-rounded athlete and then ultimately, again, reach your biggest potential regardless of whatever distance because you're working all systems at different times. So fundamental to this idea of periodization is this idea of peaking, that you can really only peak two or three times a year. Now, there are many people that don't like that idea that want to say, no, Chris, I want to race multiple times. And unfortunately, the harsh reality is you can do that, certainly, but you're not necessarily going to get to your peak place. I think one of the challenges that has presented itself in the pandemic is that we haven't had these big races happening and therefore people have been just training consistently through perhaps doing virtual races but never giving themselves the opportunity to rebound to recover from a race or perhaps never choosing a true peak and so while all the training and all the work that they've been doing still counts and is still helpful in some way maybe hasn't allowed them to peak in the proper way or perhaps it has caused them to be in a place of running burnout where they're struggling to find that edge and training now because they've been just training consistently through without really any breaks. And one of the things we'll talk about here at the end is that the recovery phase of periodization is as important a part of the overall process as anything else especially if you have a long-term view on your training. So I wanted to start with those fundamental elements. The idea of periodization, again, is allowing you to sequentially work the different systems in your body so that you can peak at the highest possible place in a given training cycle, and then you come down off of that. And if you keep going through those cycles, periodizing your training over time, then you're going to get to higher peaks beyond. So that's the idea. Then the question becomes, okay, well, how do I sequence my training? And I'm going to use the example just for the sake of giving you something more tangible. I'm going to use the example of a training cycle that would kick off on May 8th. May 8th is our kickoff for rogue training here in Austin and in Dallas. And a lot of people will be training for races in the fall, particularly the October time frame. So for the sake of argument, I'm going to start this training, hypothetical training block that we're going to talk about in this episode on May 8th and carry it through to October 10th, which would be 
for those racing in Chicago or for those who might be racing in Boston. Again, this example that I'm going to give you, and by the way, that's 22 weeks from May 8th until October 10th or 11th in the case of Boston. So that's 22-week cycle that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about how you would sequence that 22 weeks. And if you're racing at a different time, then obviously you can adjust accordingly. We're also, as I mentioned already, in a bit of a priming phase. And so if you're already in the priming phase and you need to push back your training a little bit, you can just continue that priming phase before you jump into these more specific periods. So we're talking about a 22-week cycle, which would apply for either a marathon or a half marathon. And again, the hypothetical we're going to use just for the sake of discussion is a program that goes from May 8th until October 10th. Now, before we dive into phase one, some people may say, oh, that's a really long training cycle because a lot of people are used to 14 to 16 week cycles, sometimes even 12 week cycles. And for for us at Rogue, we prefer 20 to 22 week cycles typically because it gives you a long enough time period to really work each of these sequences in turn. And I would say that the first period of the sequence, that first what will be six weeks, could be considered a pivot block of training where you may not say, well, that's specific race training. And and so in many cases, the final 16 weeks of what I'm going to talk about here would be what someone might refer to as a specific training block for a given race. And so it might be in their vernacular, a six-week base period with a 16-week specific training period. But we're going to talk about it as a 22-week entire training block. And now we're going to talk about five phases of that, extending to after the race. The other thing I'll mention quickly is that people may label these a little bit different. If you go look up periodization or training, running, and periods, you're going to see different naming conventions for these periods. And I'm just going to give you the ones that I use and then talk about what they mean. But again, you may see people using different terminology and meaning something similar, and that's obviously okay. We've already talked about that with sometimes when we talk about different aerobic zones where you might get a similar thing happening. But what does this look like? What are the five phases I'm talking about? Phase number one, the first six weeks of work, beginning on May 8th, running into June is going to be what we call, or what I call, the speed development phase. The speed development phase. Traditionally, you might hear this called the base training phase. And traditionally, even under Lydiard's approach, it was actually a a focused bit of training where you just focus on long, easy distance and building mileage. What we've learned and what the modern version of periodization has done and adapted to this is that we've added a little bit of sharpening work during this phase, much like you would have in a priming phase, so that you prepare the system and the neuromuscular systems to be ready for the work to come. It's again a part of, as I mentioned a couple of episodes, it's a part of being fit enough to train. So what are we doing in these first six weeks, the speed development phase? 
one thing we're doing is building consistent volume, building consistent volume. So you're building mileage, you're building routine if you haven't already, and you're executing those runs primarily at easy efforts, primarily at easy efforts. This is a time where you want to be conservative, where you absolutely want to be conservative at every single choice and turn. Obviously, you want to get your runs done, but when in doubt, you're going to slow down, and when in doubt, you're going to choose lower mileage as your body adapts to the new training loads versus higher mileage. And so you want to be building your training volume as well as building routine if you need to and keeping those runs really, really conservative. This also happens to be the beginning or late summer, or excuse me, late spring, early summer. And so there's going to be some adaptation to warm conditions that might be happening during the same time. I feel like it's already started here in Texas with warm temps that have hit the 90s on a few days already. But in many parts of the country, this is also a time where your body is adapting to the heat. And that's a part of building into your training. And so, yes, in this speed development block, you have all of those foundational elements that you would think about in a base training block where you're building mileage, building consistency, building routine. But you also are adding an element that traditionally wasn't in Lydiard's work, which is speed development workouts, speed development workouts. These would be similar to the workouts that I talked about in the priming phase a couple of episodes ago, but there's just an opportunity to work on speed, raw, pure speed. So you're going to do short, high-end intervals with plenty of rest and recovery. So a lot of short, high-end intervals with plenty of rest and recovery during this speed development phase. So for this, I like to work in my training groups, short repeats. We talked about 200 on, 200 off a couple of episodes ago. That's a perfect speed development workout. I also might work in some short hill sprints in this phase in order to get that type of stimulus. But it's all about speed development, working the high end of the range with plenty of recovery so that you don't overdo it. And when in doubt, as I mentioned earlier, be conservative. And so if I had to give you a theme for this first block of training, it would be two words, consistent and conservative, consistent and conservative. You want to be consistent to build that foundation of routine and mileage that will ultimately be the main building blocks of your fitness for this training block but also be conservative, which means that at every turn, if you have a decision to make, you're making a conservative decision. Less intensity, less volume, while maintaining consistency. If you make those good decisions, then that'll allow you to stay healthy as you build into training so that you can then go into the next phase. The other thing about this first phase of training, the speed development phase, is you're going to be building your long runs as well. Whether you're doing the half training or full marathon training, you're going to be building your long runs as well. And we want 
during these first six weeks for those long runs to be focused on long, easy distance. Long, easy distance. So you're going to avoid, primarily avoid, long run workouts during this phase of training, particularly intense long run workouts. Some coaches might sprinkle in a little bit of work during this time, and I am known to do that on occasion, but it's going to just be a little bit. So for me, I might end up working in five-minute segments at marathon pace, a handful of five-minute segments at marathon pace during this phase so that you're getting a little bit of stimulus and starting to adapt to that kind of load in the long run, but again, with a very conservative approach. So that's what we're doing in the speed development phase, phase one of the work. Be consistent, be conservative, and build mileage while doing speed development workouts that are focused on high-end speed, short intervals with plenty of recovery. And of course, as I mentioned, when in doubt, choose the easier or more conservative path so that you don't overdo it and get hurt in the first six weeks of the work. I would also mention that this is a good time if you haven't already to build in other routines to your work. So if you haven't already built into built in your strength routine or built in your recovery routine around foam rolling or whatever may that may look like for you, then this is the time to integrate all of those elements into your programming. It takes about six weeks to adapt to a strength program. And so if you haven't already adapted to that, then this is a good time to layer that in because you've got less intensity in other places. So you're able to actually build it in now so that it becomes something your body's used to before we get to the more rigorous work. So phase one, speed development. Be consistent, be conservative, build miles, and work in a handful of those speed development workouts that I talk about. All right, phase two. Phase two. This is going to be a seven-week block of training. This will go from late June on our timeline, June 20th through to August 7th through into early August. And this is going to be the strength phase, the strength phase. Now, some people, when they think about strength, they think about muscle, muscular strength. And in this case, we're actually talking primarily about aerobic strength, aerobic strength. Another term for aerobic strength is endurance or your ability to sustain slightly hard paces for longer and longer periods of time. Obviously, for the marathon and half marathon, that's an important element. So phase two here, we're working on aerobic strength, aerobic strength. And the theme for this phase that I'd like to put in your head is this idea of resilience. So first phase, speed development was about being consistent, being conservative. Second phase is about resilience. It's about being resilient in training, being able to stay the course. It's also about being resilient aerobically or your ability to get uncomfortable, a little bit uncomfortable and hold that for longer and longer periods of time. So what are we doing during this strength phase? First of all, we're continuing to build mileage. We're continuing to build mileage. And I like to see that you get to your peak mileage in training by the time you finish 
the strength phase. And so if you're starting out with speed development building, you've got 13 weeks from that point in May through to the end of this second phase in early August, you've got 13 weeks to build to your peak mileage. And the goal is to get to that peak mileage point before you leave the strength phase. Why is that? Well, because things are about to get intense in the next phase. And we want to make sure that you're not adding volume and intensity at the same time. And so this second phase, the strength phase, is about getting to that peak volume, if you can. And it's also about building aerobic strength or endurance, as we call it. So what type of workouts are we doing in the strength phase? Primarily two types of workouts that will happen in the strength phase. One is aerobic endurance focused workouts, pure aerobic endurance focused workouts where you're working at comfortably hard efforts with short rest. So you're doing intervals at comfortably hard efforts or maybe slightly uncomfortably hard efforts with short rest. That's one thing that we're working here. And this could be the, the typical things you would think about, standard tempo or steady runs where you're a little bit uncomfortable for longer periods of time. It could also be what you might hear McMillan call cruise intervals where you're working intervals of various distances at slightly less intense paces with shorter recovery so that you're again building that resilience, building that endurance or your ability to sustain longer work with short rest, which will eventually translate to being able to do the same on race day. The other thing we like to do during the strength phase is work hills, is work hills. And you can certainly create aerobic endurance oriented workouts with hills in them. And so that's a component of what you will see here in our training. But you can also have longer hill intervals, which will work not only aerobic strength, but also leg strength and power. The nice thing about hill work, as the great Frank Shorter has reminded us, is that it is speed work in, in disguise. And so it's an, it gives you the ability to work speed and manage the intensity because when we're working on the hills, typically it's hard for us to overdo it because we have to, we have to dial back and the hill forces us to slow down a little bit in, in intensity, which helps prevent us from going overboard and getting hurt. So we're doing two types of workouts, longer intervals with slightly intense efforts with short recovery while also doing hill workouts in this strength phase to build resilience. The nice thing about those two types of workouts is that the intensity, again, is lower and it allows us to build into the work before we get really crazy or really aggressive. It allows us to build into the work so hopefully we're managing our efforts and keeping ourselves healthy and injury-free. So we're building mileage in this phase. We're working aerobic endurance-oriented workouts as well as hill-oriented workouts. And the last thing, we're starting to add intensity to the long-run workouts. This is where you're going to see 
in our programming, the first more intense long run workouts appear. Again, they will be managed and they'll be something that will build upon what you may have already established in the speed development phase. But this is where you start to see longer intervals, longer bits of work in the long run so that when we get to the next phase, which we'll talk about in a second, we're ready to really execute on our biggest long run workouts of the cycle. So the strength phase, it's about resilience, training resilience. You're building that resilience related to your mileage. You're building that resilience related to your aerobic strength and endurance. And you're building that resilience as it relates to being able to execute more intense workouts down the road, whether they be in the long run or whether they be during the week. So that's what this second phase, the strength phase is about. It's about resilience. Okay, so that's phase two. The strength phase, seven weeks running from June until August, building resilience. Before we talk about phase three, wanted to quickly cover off on my partner for the show, Care Of. I've mentioned them before, but they are the daily vitamin and supplement company that I've been working with and that I use myself. They have this amazing online quiz that you can go and take at takecareof.com where you can enter your goals, enter what you're trying to accomplish with your training, and they will give you recommendations for things to include in your daily vitamin packs. And then you click on what you want based on the evidence provided and the information provided and build those personalized packs so that you can then get into an easy-to-follow routine where you just simply pull a pack out of their box, take what's in it, and move on with your life. That's what I'm doing I've got vitamin D, I've got fish oil, I've got ashwagandha in my daily packs. Makes it really easy so I don't forget what I need to feel strong and be healthy and ready to execute my training. So it's easy, it's simple with that online quiz. And then the best part, as I've talked about before, is that you get high quality products and ingredients and they tell you exactly what's in everything that's included. Plus they tell you exactly the research and the science behind everything, both the certain and the uncertain. They'll be very transparent about where there are gaps perhaps in the science. And so you can make decisions about what's included in your daily packs. And so I would tell you, go check it out at takecareof.com. You get 50% off your first order with the code ROGUE50. That's R-O-G-U-E-5-0. 50% off on your first order. It's spring. It's time to get into that routine. If you haven't already, that will support your training coming up here for the fall. Again, check it out at takecareof.com. Take the quiz. Use code ROGUE50. That's R-O-G-U-E-5-0 for 50% off on your first order. I'm a fan and I think you will be too. All right, let's jump back into our conversation talking about periodization got to get to our third phase of work in this fall training block. This third phase we will call the race specific phase. It's six weeks after your strength phase. It's another six weeks to get dialed in for your peak race. So as our calendar progresses, it will run you from early August until mid-September and have you really ready 
for your target race before we get into the final phase of your training, which will be the taper. So what are we doing in the race-specific phase, the race-specific phase? And this is the most intense phase. So it's about, if I had to give you a couple of words for this phase, it's about being dialed in and it's about grinding. This is where the grind of the training is going to be ever-present and also worth it that you should really lean into that grind. And if you're doing this right, as I've mentioned before, you're really only grinding for two or three peaks a year. So that's only 12 to 18 weeks of really, really intense training throughout a year. Your body cannot handle more than that. And and you have to make sure that when you invest in that way that it has a purpose and in this case the purpose is to get you ready to run race pace so what are we doing in this race specific phase we're doing a couple of things first of all from a mileage standpoint we're holding our mileage so as i mentioned i want you to get to your peak mileage before you leave leave the strength phase and so that by the time you get to this race specific phase you're holding your mileage Maybe even if needed, dialing it back slightly. If you decide that the intensity is too much, you can always dial back volume a little bit in this race-specific phase because at this point, it's less about the volume. That work has already been done. You've already built the aerobic capacity elements within this training block through the first couple of phases and now we're really trying to dial into race specific work which means that you should hold or even dial back mileage a little bit if you're still building your mileage at this point then that can be a recipe for injury because you're then trying to do two things at once you're trying to continue to build mileage and you're trying to to build intensity because your most intense workouts will come in this phase of work So ideally, you're not doing both things, although it is crazy how many training programs you will see built that way, where you get to your peak mileage at the same time as you're doing your most intense training. But ideally, that's not the way you're going to do it. You hold mileage in a race-specific phase. From a workout standpoint, I want you to do primarily two types of workouts during this phase. One is race-specific workouts where you're really trying to dial into race pace. For marathoners, marathon pace, as we've talked about before in other episodes, is sort of the no-man's land of physiological development. There's not a lot of reason physiologically or from from an aerobic development standpoint to run marathon pace. It kind of falls in this middle zone that isn't actually that useful or helpful other parts of your training cycle. But during the race specific phase, it's obviously important to be able to dial into marathon pace. So you're going to be doing workouts that have you doing that. We like in our training, we like in and out workouts or workouts where you're having to get into marathon pace and then perhaps go into a faster pace and alternate those two things so that you learn to recover at marathon pace so that you learn to make marathon pace feel even easier. So that's one thing you're doing is race-specific workouts. The other thing we're doing in this phase is some higher-intensity pure speed workouts 
where you're working VO2 max, sometimes with plenty of rest, sometimes with less rest and more overall intensity so that you maintain the top end as well. It's all a part of those VO2 max workouts in this phase are all about making race pace, whether it be for half marathon or full marathon, making them feel easier. Also sharpening you up so that when you get to the end of a race, you're ready to close so you have more gears in the tank for those final miles, whether you be racing a marathon or a marathon or half marathon. So we're doing those two types of workouts, race-specific workouts, and we're doing pure speed VO2 max type workouts where you're working the very high end with some intensity so that race pace feels easier and so that you're ready to close out a race strong. Additionally, in this phase, we have our most intense long run workouts. Usually we've got a couple of really big workouts in this phase that are going to simulate race day as closely as possible. This is where the famous or infamous McClung special workout will might pop up in our training here where we have athletes do for the marathon 15 total miles of work on a in a inside a 20 mile run where they're doing a five mile start simulation starting 30 seconds slower than marathon pace working down to marathon pace holding that for five mile chunk typically running a mile easy then doing three miles of a one one fart lick alternating between one minute hard and one minute easy before another easy mile and then a five mile finish where they're starting a marathon pace and ideally trying to close down to half marathon pace at the end of a 20 total mile day. So that's a big long run workout, but those are the types of workouts that we'll put together for our training. This is also where if you're doing those long run workouts, you'll want to try to simulate your race course as much as possible. And so for us, we will put our simulator courses in these in this phase of work. So we have a Boston simulator, for example, that is a point-to-point net downhill course here in Austin that we use that has hills in it for the appropriate time so that you simulate the terrain that you're going to be running on race day. For those that would be doing Chicago, we would like to execute your big workouts on flat courses so that you get used to using the same muscles and being able to dial in to a specific pace for mile after mile. So that's something else that you should be thinking about in this phase. The other thing that can come in this phase is prep races, prep races. So we like to have these types of prep opportunities somewhere between eight weeks, six to eight weeks out from your target race. And so that's exactly where you would fall during this phase is you're going to have the opportunity to do some prep races here, which could be for those that might be training for a half marathon, it could be a 10K. For those training for a marathon, you might throw a half marathon in this training block. Obviously, you have to work your other training around that. And so you might have to adjust some long runs in order to fit everything in together and make it work. But this is the phase where we like to 
work those in. It gives you an opportunity to test your fitness. It gives you an opportunity to also work the mental side of race day and make sure that you have the the resilience, that mental resilience ready to go so that when you show up on the start line that matters, you practice your mental game in a race that counts before it really counts. So that's something else that we'll see here in this phase. And so what are we doing in this race specific phase? We are dialed in and we are grinding. Those would be two words I would use for this phase. Dialed in and grinding. Because the other thing about this this phase is that while I want you to be conservative in the speed development phase and, and then a little bit conservative still even in the strength phase, the race-specific phase is when you really want to jettison some of that conservative nature and you want to be more specific, more dialed in, when in doubt, try to nail the paces because that's what's going to take on race day. Obviously, don't do anything that will injure yourself or put you over the edge, but you have to learn to ride that edge, that fine line of fitness during this race-specific phase. And when in doubt, really try to dial in to exactly what's prescribed on your training block because this is the window that matters to get you ready for that peak. This phase is also a signal to your body that it's time, that it's starting to get time, that it's that it's time to to garner all the resources, available resources, and get you fit and ready for the day that matters. So that's your third phase of work. The race-specific phase, in this case, that'll go from early August to mid-September before we get into our fourth phase of work, which is the taper. The taper. Typically, in most of our programs, this is a three-week for a marathon cycle, three-week period of time. For those that are doing a half marathon, it might be only one or two weeks, in which case you would extend the race-specific phase a little bit, and that's okay. But the taper, what are we doing during the taper? If we're dialed in during the race-specific phase, then we are dialing back during the taper, dialing back and doing what we like to call peaking, getting the body ready. You're essentially consolidating all of that work that you've done, allowing the body to rest, recover, and and bring all of the fitness that you've been working on together to bear so that you're ready to go on the day that matters. For me, honestly, the taper can be the toughest part of training because you go from pressing, pressing, pressing to suddenly having to dial back and it, and it will feel like you're losing fitness. It will feel like you're losing fitness. There is what we call the taper madness, which I think is a well-known phenomenon in the distance running world where you start to go a little bit crazy. You start to question everything during the taper. You start to wonder whether the work has paid off or whether you're just losing it all because you're not working as hard in those final weeks. But that's where you have to, as a experienced runner, either listen to me or just have your own experience to know that this is an important part of the process, allowing the body to take all the work it's done and consolidate that work into something that will allow you to put your best foot forward on race day and be fresh and ready on race day. So what are we doing during this taper? 
During the taper, we want to keep up our intensity, but dial back our volume. Keep up our intensity, but dial back our volume. And so what does that look like? Typically, what I like to see is for the marathon and even for the half, whenever you start your taper, essentially that you're dialing back one mile per run per week. Keep your routine, but dial back one mile per run per week. And that typically gets you there. But as I mentioned, keep your routine. Keep all your normal running days. You don't want to jettison those unless you might be suffering from some injury that would require that because you want your body to not freak out. You want it to recognize the routine and to stay in that rhythm and flow of the work so that you don't feel stagnant, but you dial back the total volume so that it allows your body to still recover and be more fresh at the end of it. You'll also keep workouts during this phase, but obviously you'll adjust those workouts accordingly so that you're fully dialed in. The intensity will still be there. Sometimes we'll do marathon pace workouts during this period. We like to do a workout called the Texas 10K, which is a bunch of reps at 10K pace as well during this period. And so there's going to still be some intensity with your workouts, but as long as you're dialing back overall volume, then you'll be good. The other thing to remember about this fourth phase, this taper phase, is that you don't do anything new. You don't do anything new. You'll have some extra time on your hands because of the dialing back of volume, but this is not the time to add something new. This is not the time to add a strength routine. This is not the time to add a diet plan. This is not the time to do a big project in the backyard with your extra time. This is not the time to see some new massage therapist that you've never seen before. You want to only stick with familiar things during the taper. And, and, and while your mind is struggling with the dialing back of intensity, then you can focus on the prep for your race. And so the other thing you can do during the taper is focus on the prep for your race. Plan your race. What's your execution going to look like? How are your paces going to be dialed in by mile? What does the course look like? So learn that so that you can visualize how this race is going to go in your head before you even get to the race. Plan the pre-race routine, the pre-race meals, the post-race meeting up of with your family or whatever it may be. This is the time to while your mind is perhaps struggling to focus and calm itself, this is the time to associate, to dial into all the planning and focus on the things that you can control in these final weeks so that you don't go crazy. This will also include, of course, working on your mental game, preparing the mantras, doing all the work so that you're ready to go mentally as well for race day. So that's the fourth phase, is the taper phase. And then, of course, you race. In this case, we're talking about October 10th or 11th, Chicago or Boston, big days. And exciting to think about the opportunity for in-person races again. But we're only through four phases. And you might be wondering, what in the world? What is the, what is the fifth phase? And why is that relevant? I thought our race was over. 
And it's not. You've got one more phase, and that's the recovery phase. That's the recovery phase. It's, this is a phase that's often overlooked as we love to go from race day and then not plan the immediate aftermath. And so it can sometimes manifest in a couple of ways. One way is that you get so excited about your result that you just dive right back into training. The other way is that you've been so focused and so intently dialed into one specific day that you ignore the recovery phase altogether and you don't do anything for two or three weeks and therefore then have challenges resuming training again whenever that comes. And so uh, I want through mentioning this recovery phase specifically, I want to try to keep you from those two extremes and find a happy middle ground because it is important to recover. As we say it around here at Rogue, you have to detrain properly as well. You have to detrain properly as well in order to retrain later to a higher place. Fitness isn't linear in our bodies. It doesn't work that way. We have to detrain. We have to come off the peak that we've mentioned. We have to hit another trough as an essential part of then building to a higher peak. So what does that mean? That means you have to detrain, which means you have to back off on the work while also still maintaining something so that you allow your body to create the blood flow through movement that's going to help you then get back into training when it's time. So what are we trying to do during the recovery phase? And this will be two to three weeks For marathons, I like three weeks of pure recovery. For half marathons, I think you can do two. So what does that look like? First of all, it means backing off completely of of the intensity. Backing off completely of the intensity and giving your body and mind the space to just relax, to exhale, to breathe, which means... Certainly reflecting on your race and feeling all the feels associated with that, but also then giving yourself some happy and fun distractions. So that could look like going on a trip. That could look like binge watching a show. That could look like a bunch of dinners out with friends, whatever it may be. You need that healthy distraction because you've been dialed into specific training for so long and maybe perhaps not enjoying other parts of life or not having the balance that you might have wanted in other parts of life. And now it's time to enjoy that and go, go get it. And so part of this recovery phase is backing off completely physically and mentally for marathoners. That means no workouts, no intense workouts for at least three weeks for half marathoners, a couple of weeks. Now you could do some strides perhaps, or some very light speed development work during this period, but I don't want you to do anything with with intensity or anything where you're pressing at all. So you're backing off. And then on the other side, you're, you're, you're getting a little bit of movement, a little bit of movement to promote blood flow, to promote healing. 
For marathoners, that might look like a couple of runs, two to three runs in that first week. Typically, I like to tell people to take off until Wednesday. If your race is Sunday, don't do anything until Wednesday except maybe go for some walks. And then get two or three runs in after that. Short runs, all super easy, all listening to your body. For half marathoners, I think you can run a little bit more. So maybe you might get three or four runs in that following week, but certainly give yourself a couple of days off and then get three or four short runs in. But you do want to do some running, some basic movement, which promotes blood flow, which promotes healing. Without that, without that grease on the wheels, then it makes it only harder to resume when it's time. So personally, I like just a little bit of light movement in the first week, a little bit more light movement in the second week, and then in the third week, you can start to add a little bit more and maybe a slight, small, tiny bit of a workout before you can really start to ramp back up in the fourth week for marathoners or in the third week for half marathoners. But you got to give yourself that window, that recovery period where you're allowing yourself to enjoy yourself, not focus on training, but just get a little bit of light movement as you gradually rebuild the routine. Again, grease the wheels, create that movement which promotes blood flow, which promotes healing. It's that simple. During the recovery phase, you're going to feel terribly out of shape and that's okay. It's going to be in fact, quite striking how you can go from having this big peak where maybe you ran a PR, maybe you smashed a goal, maybe you've run faster than you've ever run. And then suddenly two weeks later, you're going to feel perhaps more out of shape than you've ever been. That's first of all, a a myth that's created in your head. It's just a feeling because the body's feeling sluggish because it's recovering. But also, it's a necessary part of the process to building to a higher peak down the road. And so you have to just embrace it. Don't worry about it. Let go of that desire to somehow hold on to that place you were at only a few weeks prior because you can't. It doesn't work that way. That's not how the body works. And so you got to let it go and just trust the process. You have to let yourself detrain physically. You also have to let yourself mentally have a break so that when it's time to resume another training block, which will follow a similar sequence to the one we just talked about, when it's time to resume another training block, then you're actually physically and mentally ready to do so. But you will detrain. Again, that's a normal part of the process that will allow you to then go through this cycle again of these sequence of phases of periods to get to another peak and potentially a higher peak down the road. But it's all a part of this process, this circle of training, so to speak, that allows you to continually build to higher peaks as you go. But you can't shortcut the process. You can't shortcut or short circuit the process. It doesn't work that way, especially if you have long-term visions and long-term goals. You might be able to short-circuit it for a period, but then you're going to end up in injury or plateau in training that will only frustrate you. And so be sure to be true 
to these periods, no matter what training block you're in, so that you don't get stuck in a rut. And so that also you can get to that highest peak possible for you in your training. So there you go. 22 weeks plus a two to three week recovery period to go from May into an October race. Again, you can slide that either way, depending on when your target race might be. You can shorten or lengthen that priming period that we talked about two episodes ago in order to get to your race. But I'm excited. We've got fall races on the calendar percolating. A lot of hope that we can get there. And so I think you should feel good about what's coming and give yourself permission to hope a little bit, but do it in the right way. Build to that peak in the right way so that you can give yourself the best chance to get the most out of yourself in the fall. So... With that, we'll wrap this episode. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to my partner, Care of. Again, if you'd like to redeem that code, you can go to takecareof.com, enter code ROGUE50 for 50% off your first order. Otherwise, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.